0: Hello everyone. This is Gloria, the host of the Love in the Work You Do podcast. And today you'll be joining me in a conversation that I had with Kim Corbin. Kim Corbin is the owner and creator of the Gentle Way Divorce System. Let me tell you a little bit about Kim. Kim an unlikely advocate of a peaceful divorce. She was very competitive in judo and for many years a practicing attorney. One would expect that she would enjoy conflict. Yet when her marriage was not working, she was nearly overcome with anxiety and a desire to avoid conflict with her spouse altogether. Thus, she remained married when she knew in her heart that her marriage would be better off if they had separated. Traditional divorce terrified her, and she knew all too well what it looked like through an attorney's eye. So she set out to change a traditional narrative of dramatic, painful divorce and did so peacefully discovering that divorce can be transformative and restorative for all involved. She learned to start with how you raise divorce with your spouse. Kim is no longer a practicing attorney, though, and she currently she dedicates um, herself to working with families as a mediator or consultant to help them achieve similar results. So on today's episode, I'll be asking Kim a whole lot of questions, Um, questions like, what is the gentle way divorce system? Um, If she, you know, sharing about how to know when it's time to consider a divorce, if she's worked with anyone who had considered divorce and then ended up staying married because, of her work with them. We also dug into a couple other things. We talked about family peace specialists, how you can transform an already messy situation. What's the traditional way of divorce. We also spoke about how to, you know, connect with ourselves at a young age so that we can always tell what we're feeling, you know, Um, in Christianity, it's called, um, you know, letting the, like partnering with the Holy spirit, um, in such a way that you can always tell when you're making a wrong or a bad decision. And then I know like most people always, you know, they talk about that little voice in the back of your head or that little voice that you hear that tells you that the decision you're making is right or wrong. So like, how can we hone that as a young child? So we talked about that too. I also asked Kim how she went from becoming a lawyer to then becoming a mediator. And if someone else wanted to do the same thing, how would they retrace you know, the steps that she took? In general, if you're thinking about ending your marriage, but you don't know how to tell your spouse You have a choice. It's either pain or peace. And it begins with how you tell your spouse you want a divorce. If you say, I can't stand your guts, expect a very expensive war that lasts for years. That's what Kim says. But if you move out and then refuse to talk except through lawyers, you'll end up overspending and conflict will be through the roof before you're done. And that's why Kim created a divorce questionnaire and script based on her personal experience so that you can tell your husband or spouse, um, that your marriage is over and keep things peaceful. So if everything I've talked about sounds like something that you're interested in, how about you come on in, pull up a chair and let's learn together. Hello everyone, this is Gloria, the host of the Love and the Work You Do podcast. And today I have with me Kim Carvin, all the way from Canada, whoop whoop. And we will be talking everything divorce, the gentle way of divorcing. Kim is the chief peace officer She is the owner and creator of The Gentle Way Divorce, and um, I just feel like what we are going to talk about today will be beneficial to everyone that is either considering a divorce um, or are you currently separated or looking towards separation. There's so many information here that I, as a divorced mother, mom, feel like would have been so beneficial to me um, when I was going through my divorce. So I hope this sounds like something that you would love to listen to. And if it does, come on in, pull up a chair and let's learn together. And hey, Kim, thanks for being here today. Gloria, thank you so much for
1: inviting me. It really like spreading the message of peace and is really important to me. So I really, I'm like, I was thrilled to be here, you know, and I'm two hours behind you time wise and we're recording early. Yes, I am. (laughs) I'm excited.
0: So thank you thank you so much for for honoring me for honoring you know other women also who this will will go out to so um just off the the top of my um head um normally again we've talked about this i i do like a brief intro um to the podcast but then i always love for people that I do bring on to share a little bit about themselves. Um, So if you can share a little bit about you um, and to the guest, I would, um, or to the listeners, I would love to hear what you have to say. All right. Well, I was
1: single through my twenties. And when I was about 30 or 31, I started dating this fellow and, You know, and the biological clock, I guess, was ticking. And we made a decision to get married. I was 33. I was convinced I was marrying for life. I was making the right choice Mm -hmm. to the right man who was a good man, good provider. You know, checking off all those boxes that were taught Mm. that are important. And I mean, and even what I learned through that experience was being married to a man who's really good at cleaning the bathroom is less important than being able to marry someone who you can talk to.
2: Because <laughs> oh we never really talked. <laughs> oh, wow. Sounds, oh,
1: my and, gosh. And, you know, there I was, professional lawyer. And it wasn't, marriage wasn't what I expected it to be.
2: Mm. And
1: I know as soon as I was pregnant um, with our first child, it was like my husband, all his issues started bubbling up and mm. I was dealing with issues at work and it was a really, really horrible time. And, you know, and our son's born and we love him and we carry on. And four years later, I, I got pregnant again and I remember having a conversation Um, with my husband that you know and he his issues never went away Mm. and I remember having a conversation with him saying you know I don't think our marriage is going to last once we have two kids I don't think I'm going to be able to cope with two kids and you um if you don't seek some help hmm And i had that conversation and he sought help for a while and then you know things were going well so everything shifted again but i stayed in that limbo state of knowing in my heart that i don't think this is going to work for three years Mm -hmm. before i did anything about it and the irony of course was that i practiced family law i'd gone to court for women Mm -hmm. and there i was going I I don't want to do it this way. I don't want my kids to have to deal with this. Believing that divorce would harm my children more than, you know, and thinking that staying together was for the best. And in that really horrible, horrible, horrible space. And it ended up, I did end up um, realizing, oh, this marriage is harming our kids. And I've I used, I mean, I was a judo coach like as a kid and then came back to it when my son was six. And so I'd been back at it for over a year by then. And it was just like, okay, how do we do this? And I knew um and I figured out how to do it peacefully. And I thought, you know, and my husband, he's Ukrainian Catholic. He does not believe in divorce. Mm-hmm. Oh, and
2: people,
1: wow. Yeah. People who knew us thought, how do you do it, Kim? And I'm like, oh, anybody can do it. And then I had a, uh, a few years later, a um, uh, second cousin ended up, was in a really ugly divorce battle and he um, ended up killing himself, committed suicide. And that is when I started to realize I have to figure out what I did. Mhm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so that has morphed to to what I do now and why I walked away. Part of why I walked away from being a lawyer, but there you go.
0: Thank you so much for sharing that. I know in in that we've wrapped the the personal in to the um you know, to the business side of you yeah. um kind of like your origin story in a way actually so love that um so if um so, okay so the the title of the podcast is loving the work you do right and and so you have a unique story in that you did start out as a lawyer but you've morphed to become a mediator Um, you know, a consultant and, um, and that you're fully doing that work, I feel like it is your calling, it is Mm -hmm. your passion, it's your life's work. Um, Do you, so, so the question is different because you went from there to there, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Were you, maybe when you were younger, that child that Always solve the problem for people. Where you always like the reconciler, you know. Like I'm trying to figure out, like how did we go into law? When is there a degree you could have studied to be a mediator? You know. What was yeah. your dream as a young child?
1: <laughs> now that's you see, I'm laughing because it's quite the tale, and it's mm. a tale that most people wouldn't expect. I started out actually as a political activist in the uh-huh. farm movement, um, was very involved, and I went on a youth exchange called Canada World Youth out of high school, um, and I was spent three months in Indonesia, and it was about leadership and figuring out that all people are exactly the same, mm-hmm. um, but I thought I was going to be a farmer. Wow. Uh-huh. And before that exchange, I had actually been accepted to study agriculture. Okay, because and different. (laughs) Well, I thought about um, being a lawyer when I was sixteen, and thought, "Who wants to be a lawyer? Like, you know?" And when you're raised to question authority, why would I want to be part of the establishment? that was not where i wanted to be and and when i was 20 i thought about law again and went no who wants to be a lawyer but then i ended up going to mexico on my own and i should say i did a lot of traveling i used to live my life um before law school when i had an opportunity to do something i would always ask myself if you had six months left to live, what regrets would you have?
0: That's the ticket question. Yep.
1: So I did a lot, a lot of stuff. And I ended up going to Mexico on my own, you know, with the Lonely Planet guidebook. I found the really great cheap hotel that was clean. And then I was asked to go to a timeshare presentation. And I had sat through timeshare presentations before and I thought, no problem. I'll get to be at a nice resort with a private beach for a day. Well, I spent the entire day in a room and they paired me with a young woman from Minnesota who knew about nasty prairie winters, and right? So there was this immediate rapport,
2: mm. very,
1: very shrewd. Long story short is I was unemployed and I booked a week at a timeshare right planning on going back Um, i bought a week at a timeshare and i felt completely stupid and demoralized i'd paid the down payment on my parents affiliate credit card like i had enough money to pay it (laughs) but it was i just i felt absolutely horrible And when I came home, um, the friend who I stayed with, because I was from a small town, the friend who I stayed with introduced me to a friend of hers um, who had studied law. And I shared this, poured out my heart about this story. And she's like, what jurisdiction does it say on the contract, Kim? And I said, oh, California. And she said, don't worry about it. For the amount of money For them to collect from you is super, super difficult. Just walk away and cut your losses. Mm -hmm. So I did. But I thought, I never want to be taken like that Mm -hmm. again. So I went to law school. Mm -hmm. That was how, that was the tipping point, right? Like making a foolish decision.
0: But it helped.
1: (laughs) Well, and, and I actually, I love um, the law. Like, I loved law school.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think it was in because my first degree is sociology, where okay. we examine social problems. And that was frustrating for me. And what I really liked about law was all of a sudden, there's a method to solve problems mm. and to improve society. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, yeah, I went to law school. And,
0: and now you're a mediator.
1: Well, when I went to law, I, you know, when I started law school, I think I drove all my friends and family crazy because they'd tell me about a problem and I would say, you need to go to court. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yes.
1: Right. I saw that as the best problem yeah. solving method ever. But by my third year, I was thinking, oh, yeah, mediation. But at that time here, you had to be a practicing lawyer for three years before the law society would let you um, be a mediator. Excuse me. So I went into traditional practice. um, And I remember my first ever small claims trial. This fellow had... um, And I mean, I was way excited. I get to run a trial, right? Like Mm. I was so junior and it was so exciting and it was all about a fence. Who would pay for the materials for this fence that my client built? Mm. Um, The defendant owned the land. My client owned a trailer that was on the land and they had struck a verbal arrangement um, that my client would build a fence. He would contribute his labor. The landlord would pay materials. Hmm. Then the landlord refused to pay. So this is what we went to court for, the cost of a fence, the materials. Wow. And I remember the landlord brought a board from the fence and you know there was a hole in it to show it was very bad quality lumber i'm thinking Mm -hmm. at the time like the anxiety and he was like how am i gonna deal with this and at the end of the day we were successful except the court um didn't award my client deducted income um, sales tax off the award my client got and i'm happy right we were successful we won Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and my client was angry oh wow and i'm like what but, but but you got what you wanted and he yeah. was mad and he was wanting to appeal. And I remember, and, and I had taken, um, I went to a weekend course and took reality therapy, which is a form of counseling. Okay. While we were, after we got this decision and while he was mad and it was still appeal period time. And I was walking one day and I thought, Oh, I remembered our initial conversation. His daughter and her children lived in that trailer. So the next time I spoke to him, and he was going off about how horrible, you know, this decision was. I asked him, "Didn't you build a build, I said, "Didn't you build a fence to keep your grandchildren safe?" And he just stopped right? Like there was silence on the phone. And then he was, yes, I did. And when he got back to his interests in doing it, he was perfectly fine with the decision. And it brought home for me how the legal system doesn't address people's interests. And when a third party makes a decision about your life, you're not going to be happy.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah.
1: So that really tweaked for me. Oh, can we do this differently? And it wasn't until almost ten years later, when I had my own firm, that I went and took mediation training in Boulder,
2: hmm.
1: so that I could add mediation to my to my okay. skill set. So it started, and that was. It was actually when I took the mediation training was right around the time I had that conversation with my husband about, I don't think I'm going to be able to do this.
0: So So you, you were the first person kind of used your own skill, new skill on. That's good. So Mm -hmm. does that mean that everyone I see in the court system who's a mediator, like they actually don't need to be a lawyer first?
1: No. Yeah. You, you do not need to be a lawyer first. Oh, wow.
0: I didn't, I didn't know that. So So if there's anyone out there who maybe has gone to the court before or loves what mediators do, you know, here's to you becoming one maybe after your first degree, go ahead. You want to say something?
1: Well, and I'm not naturally good at dealing with conflict. In my family, nobody fought. It was just, you know, silence. Mm -hmm. And you know, so I can be, I can still be pretty good at being passive aggressive. But that was my my starting point. So I got to look at if I can do this, Mm -hmm. anybody can.
0: Mm, That's really good. I love that.
1: And it's it's really in any kind of conflict, divorce, or there's a couple key elements. And one is um, taking responsibility, right? Instead of blaming the other person,
2: mm-hmm.
1: it's like, no, thinking about how am I responsible? So, in my marriage, for example, when I was thinking about when I was planning how I was going to tell him
2: mm-hmm.
1: and how to end it, I wanted to blame him. I really, really wanted to blame him. But I remembered, oh, yeah. When he proposed, Mm -hmm. my whole body was screaming, say no. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But we Mm -hmm. were camping in a national park. And I thought, and and actually, before I thought about the eight-hour drive home, my first thought was, he's going to cry if I say no. And I don't know how to deal with this. I can't cope with it if he cries. Like, there's no way. And then it was oh that drive home is going to be really awkward
0: so mm. then i thought
1: well how bad could it be
0: yeah yeah
1: and once i remembered that it was i can't blame him mm-hmm. that shifted everything mm-hmm. and then i had I'd, i learned in a child protection file once from a social worker That children love their parents no matter what the parent does. So my goal in my North Star in the whole divorce was Mm -hmm. I wanted my children to have the best relationship possible with their father. Mm. And everything I did was done with that in mind. Gotcha. So there was no going to court. It was um, when I was talking to him, like I told him first about moving out. And then we had a second conversation where I'd figured out, here's how I think it would be best. Mm -hmm. And I didn't say, oh, you need to pay me child support and then I'll pay the mortgage. Mm -hmm. Um, What I said was, you know, the mortgage payment is coming out of your bank account anyway you keep paying the mortgage and you can pay me a the little bit of difference. Hmm. So there was way less rejection. Um, hmm. And it was much more common sense. <laughs> mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. And, how- and I want to, um, to say, like, I listened to one of your um, YouTube videos that kind of pointed towards that type of conversation um, that you had with yourself. When you were like okay what went wrong like how can you um take responsibility i believe for like your part of the relationship um and it's funny because i know i recently spoke with someone i'd noticed it for myself too right and i recently spoke with someone who's going through something in their relationship with their spouse and i was like what did you feel on the day you were getting married and she was like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, it was this, it was that. And I was like, you know, that is a sign that you sh- you probably need to just bail out now. Um, but, you know, it's always hard. I'm sorry, there's something flying in front of me. Um, there's, you know, you want to try um, sometimes, and that's not always the best option. Um, my philosophy now is to give things A certain amount of trials and then um know what my non-negotiables are and then keep moving after that but listening to your video brought a few questions to my mind right Mm -hmm. at 47 i'm so well 46 i'm not 47 yet come november we'll cross over um i'm like why is why didn't I even know, you know, when I was younger? Why didn't why wasn't I in tune with my feelings, you know, then? And I'm so scared for even my kids, because I know that when we're all teenagers or youth, like we're we just all go, 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 go. We're not as in tune with ourselves as we should be. Um and if we can just equip anyone, like a child, I know no child is listening, but like if, we, if we can help your child or my child, what will we tell them to help well, them be more aware?
1: I know I used to have, I was far better at this with my son who's older mm. than with my daughter, but we would have conversations about what what is your body telling you? Because, mm. you know we're taught to fear strangers Mm -hmm. don't let your children talk to a stranger when the reality is the people who abuse children are the people who know the children yeah and you have the parents trust so i would have those conversations with him about have you ever been right like that black heavy feeling in your Mm. stomach Mm. Mm -hmm. with anyone please tell me
0: Mm. okay okay Um, I get one of those I think that's one of the ones where like um, I think my son my my younger son did something in school I can't remember what he did in school or he did something silly stupid and I was like what did you feel before you took that action like did you know
1: well it's and, and we end up, our heads can, can lie to us, is what I've mm-hmm. learned. And so it's, what is happening in our bodies? Mm-hmm. And I think for children, it's easier, because they don't have the verbal, really. But I think, naturally, they're more in tune with what's happening in their bodies.
0: Mm-hmm. I totally agree. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: what? Yeah. what message is your body giving you on this? Mm-hmm. Like,
0: we need to help them. And, and
1: also to recognize because nobody like my family did not speak about feelings mm-hmm. or listening to your body. Like, no, no. And, and so I grew up to be seen everything I did. I was really, really good at. If I couldn't be really good at it, it was off mm. my plate. And that was just my, um, my place. Now And what I have learned over the years is, like, I know when I'm in a really good space now by how my body feels, right? And sometimes after mediation, it's just this, it's really hard to describe, Mm -hmm. Um, but it's in my chest and my stomach's warm and it's just, I feel peaceful and powerful at the same time hmm but not powerful in i want to take control and manage anybody but just very very grounded okay okay
0: that's really it has
1: taken a long time
2: Mm -hmm.
1: to get there and i mean certainly like going to law and everything i lived in my head i lived in my head for years and years and years i And if 20, if if thirty year old Kim would have heard that fifty five year old Kim is talking about listening to her body, mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> herself yeah. would say,
0: "There's no effing way."
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So, yeah, I find that you you know, I'm doing more of that too. And by the way, oh my gosh, you look really good for fifty five. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> Um, but,
1: but that brings up another point, like two years ago, I, I'm in a restaurant and I see this guy who had been a client in the mid 2000s. Mm-hmm. So I went and said, hi. And he looked at me and he said, you look familiar, but I can't place you. And I'm, like, I'm Kim Corvin, and he's, Kim, you look so much younger. And I said, that's because I ended my first marriage. Because there was, uh, no, no, because there was other people right around within a couple of years of um, when I'd asked my husband to leave. Mm-hmm. And they're like, wow, I didn't recognize you, Kim. You know, yeah. just such a significant
0: yeah. difference. Yeah. And
1: I look at pictures of me then and my eyes were dead.
0: Yeah, And I didn't yeah.
1: smile.
0: Yeah. It, it does suck the joy. Um, it does suck the joy out of you. And I think that's a great way to come to this question um, that I have. So there are some situations that are so messy and toxic before you even realize it. Again, I want to own my part um, in my marriage in that I shouldn't have married when I did. And I'm sure my X had his motive. In a way, in reflection, I had my motive too. But at the end of the day, I really did believe like we both loved each other. And I believe like he loved me as much as I loved him. And and I think that was where the imbalance was. Like I was so clouded that I really did believe he loved me as much as I did. And that anything that was happening was just like super spiritual, And, um, you know, the forces of the universe, um, um, (laughs) demons and devils were out to get um, my marriage. Um, And I say all that to say like, you know, some of us only wake up when the situation has become already messy. Um, How can you even use and I know we haven't spoken about your process yet, but like, you know, how can you transform an already messy situation to use your process? Have you seen it done? Um, and I can give more example about. I felt like mine was already so messy by the time. Well, I think. You no, know,
1: I think first off, most people mm-hmm. like we're taught. You know, we have our our fairy tales about lived happily ever after. Yes. And then we have the historic religious and legal elements that are, you know, marriage is for life. Mm -hmm. So nobody wakes up one morning and goes, "Ah, I'm going to get divorced. It is this process. And there is the only right time is the right time for the person in it. Mm. and it takes like for me it was three years i've talked to some women it's five years or more
2: mm-hmm.
1: okay and life is messy life is and, and why not instead of messy it's juicy and my situation was certainly juicy
2: mm.
1: okay it could have gone really the other way okay okay and i've seen it with my clients, because um, sometimes I work with people where there are mental health issues. And my consulting practice, sometimes I work with women where there has been coercive control. Now, coercive control, you get an idea from those words what it's about, but it is the best predicator to, is there gonna be violence? is this gonna result in a woman being killed? Hmm. Because the stats are with men who are murdered, it's usually a stranger. When with women, it's usually Mm. somebody they know. um, Mm. And about half the time it's a spouse. Well, actually when I studied sociology, I remember this stat 35 years later. It was 78% of all women in Canada then who were murdered. It was by a spouse or a former spouse or boyfriend, former boyfriend.
2: Hmm.
1: And in Canada, it's about every two and a half to three days, a woman is murdered in the States. It's much more frequently. You've got a bigger population and coercive control is the best way there's really good research out of England and Australia. And I mean, the United Nations even has said, um, has recommended that countries have an observatory on femicide. When you have um, somebody who's very controlling, and I'm saying women, but in reality, it's about 13% um of this coercive control men are the victims so it isn't Mm. exclusively um, women being the victims and the other thing is men in relationships like my cousin like Mm -hmm. are much more likely to commit suicide
0: wow okay
1: so it's helping victims stick handle so, they can get out successfully. Mm-hmm. And it takes, it is not a one month program, a two month program. It takes a lot of time and support and a lot of faith um, and empowerment built in.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. Because, like, I figured out how to, you know, we have this notion that to do it peacefully, both people have to be on board. Well,
0: ah. Uh.
1: Right? And I learned I got my spouse to move out by how I talked to him.
0: Hmm. Wow.
1: When he didn't want to end the marriage. Hmm. So it's um, those take more out of me than than my beautiful mediation. You know mental health issues it's actually like i did a mediation session of last month and there's mental health issues and they've been to a counselor and the husband he's like when are we going to talk about the bad stuff and i'm like hmm. you know that's in the past
0: wow
1: you don't need to focus on the past we're building a better family
0: yeah yeah um so that's the ideal, that's for sure. <laughs> um, I just feel like even like for mine, yeah, we were already unbeknownst to me, too far gone. um and sometimes again, some people will it's hard, it's well- hard.
1: You know, the, the gentle way mm-hmm. doesn't work for everybody. Mm. If a person can't take any responsibility for what's going on, it won't work. If a person is really stuck on those past hurts mm-hmm. and blaming the other person, it won't work. If they're really not in tune with creating, you know, wanting the best for the other person, No. And, and the gentle way actually comes from judo. So I was this competitive judo athlete in high school. And I loved it. And then I walked away from the sport because I went to, while well, my last year competing, I lost every fight. I moved up to seniors. And I thought, I'm going to take a year off. And then I went on that exchange to Indonesia and I never went back until after I had my son. But judo, and I think going back to judo, it brought me such joy that that was part of me finding the courage to end my marriage.
2: Mm. Doing
1: something that brought me joy.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And judo has, judo in English means the gentle way. And it has two main principles. And the first one is mutual welfare and benefit. And the second one is maximum efficiency with minimum effort.
2: Hmm.
1: And both, like, I hadn't even thought of judo when I started doing this work. And I was a couple years into it. And it's like, the gentle way, like, That is what I do. Judo, those Mm -hmm. principles of judo is the foundation of how I approach this. And you're beating yourself up about the approach you took. Mm -hmm. But we have been enculturated to believe that divorce is a legal issue.
2: Mm.
1: Now, the only thing that the court needs, must, must, must determine is that your marriage is over. If you want legal recognition that your marriage Ah. is over, you need a divorce certificate from the court. Everything else, Mm. you can kind of do it yourself.
2: Mm. It's a life
1: event. So when you think back to when you were engaged, marriage is a legal issue. Mm -hmm. That's why you have to buy the marriage license. But people, when they get engaged, they don't run and get the marriage license first Mm. in the event. And nobody's telling them, oh, you must, um, the priest is not saying what you wear, um, how much you're going to spend on the event. Mm -hmm. It's the two of you. Mm -hmm. And when you take that same approach with divorce and go, well, really, Custody and access, and those terms are leaving, thank goodness, they're property terms. Um, They're really, it's just about parenting. And child support is really about how are we going to pay for our children so that they have decent lives. Mm
2: -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. And property, dividing family property, that sounds all formal. It's just who gets what. Mm -hmm. And when you approach it um, from a perspective of putting the kids first and setting joint goals, people want to be fair. When people are actually vulnerable, when you create that space without judgment, people want to be fair and it's really, really beautiful.
0: Mm. So I see where if we, without knowing anything without going into marriage as if you were knowing you were going to divorce that truthfully the best thing to do if divorce comes knocking is to seek someone like you with gentle way or a, a mediator that you know practices similar things and it's to i really love how you said um th- let me see if i can remember a few things that i liked one of them was that it, both of you don't need to agree on on the gentle way process um so i like that in that if the other person is too far gone in their ways um i've been um difficult um um you know if there's external pressure or things on them again maybe if there's mental health issues you know you take responsibility for your part and and set the stage for what you want to see i also really loved how you said it Um, it was like a live moment which i don't know why um like you know the legal system is really there just to certify that okay Legally, this marriage is over. Um, And again, I one of your thing, even on your website and on your YouTube channel, is that the um, div- marriage is a life event. Um, I think that's what you say, or oh, is it that divorce is a life event? I might have it. Divorce, up.
1: they're both life events,
0: and to treat it like that, and um, I feel like that way you get the the most success you know from it I I know at the end of the day like my mind again took too long I always like using my story for mm-hmm. this conversations mine um took way too long for the reasons known to my ex why he wanted to hold on to me forever I don't know um while still doing all the things um you know he was doing <laughs> um I, I I don't understand that but At some point, I decided enough was enough, and I realized that, you know, I was staying because of things I believed um, that were going on that weren't true, and realizing that, you know, the kids were a priority, and I think that helped me when I refocused um, that way, and that... um, And my mental health was also a priority to um and if 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 both of us checked out then there wouldn't be anyone for the kids so in a way that was i don't know if in the gentle way the goal or your why also helps you to make decisions but i feel like for me it did I like, for well, the longest, it's like oh my gosh, my spouse, my spouse. And after a while, I was like, wait, you got three kids, girl. My... Like <laughs> it's you know, no longer exactly. about. <laughs> it's
1: like I was protecting him at first.
0: Exactly.
1: And then feeling like, like I couldn't talk to anybody. <laughs> you know, because my marriage is supposed to be perfect. I'm supposed to have the perfect marriage, yeah. and man, was I messed up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what's Like, I remember pretty much everyone I meet. I love people. And and about five or six years after we separated, a lawyer in town contacted me about, I had um, drawn up a will for this elderly woman. And I had witnessed it. And I had to, she died. So I had to do an affidavit that, yeah, I was actually there. I didn't remember her off the top of my head. Ah. I went for a drive and I drove past her house. Like I had remembered the conversation we had, but I was never sure who it was with. And after that, you know, I looked up her address. I went and I'm like, oh yeah. But it made me realize what a black space I'd been in. Mm. that I wasn't able to recall her immediately. Yeah. And we get in that, and that's why the importance of joy. Because we get in that dark, dark space. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And I was even thinking that, you know, if my husband would just die, that would be the perfect solution. Mm
2: -hmm. How
1: twisted is that? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. You're in such a dark space, you don't see it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that going back for me, going back to judo and the joy it brought me, Mm -hmm. made me want more Mm. made me realize more was possible Mm. and it was actually when I realized that our relationship was twisting up our kids that's when I went I have got to do something and I was very logical going through okay well how much time in this relationship were we really happy And how much have I been miserable and how much has been mm, very much in my head?
0: So that's a great inventory to take. Yeah.
1: And it wasn't. And and the thing is, you can love somebody, but you can't live with them. The behavior is incompatible. Mm -hmm. And one thing that I've worked on with my kids since the separation, because there was a time when my daughter... She's very much like me. So kind of her own person. (laughs) I don't want to go spend time with dad. Mm -hmm, It's boring mm -hmm. there. We always have macaroni and cheese on Tuesdays. And, and I'm like, look, um, you need to keep going to see your dad. Yeah. Yeah. And it was that conversation I coined, you know, you can love somebody and not like their behavior. Mm-hmm. You don't always like my behavior. There's times here when we eat between five and nine, and it could be a bowl of cereal. Mm-hmm. At least with your dads, you're learning this routine. And learning two different ways of being is such a great life skill. Yes, yes. So I often talk with my clients about, yeah, so you don't like each other's behavior. That doesn't. And and the other interesting thing that's, that some of the best advice I received was that he's not acting that way to piss you off. He is just being himself. And it's part of that incompatibility, right? We characterize it as he's doing it. He's just, but no, yeah. no, it's only buttons that are being pushed.
0: <laughs> wow. Wow. So, Again, an aha moment right there. Yeah.
1: And it was what I've learned. And and I guess really what gave me the passion and the courage to leave law, because I spent so many, like trying to do this as a lawyer, when you're supposed to represent one person, mm-hmm. when my heart was about, let's help the family. Yeah was a real struggle for me and it's seeing my kids and seeing the impact of divorcing peacefully has had on them. So my son, when he was seven, was at a Judah Mm -hmm. tournament, seven or eight. So this is when things are still really raw and he's fighting and he was thrown in the first second of the match. And he screams at the top of his lungs afterwards, I want him dead. Mm. And there's coach Kim. And it's a little wee space everybody heard. And it was just so horrific. And fast forward um, six years. And I'm the manager for the provincial, well, for my city. It was provincial winter games and judo was a sport and my son was competing and i'm talking to these parents and they're like yeah your son he's he's turned into a really great person like he's he is so respectful and kind-hearted does what he's told and it turned out it was their son who my son had wanted dead I had completely brought out who the other child was because it was so traumatic for me, understatement. But it was the most healing conversation to learn that Mm. because it really brought home to me how, and and my former spouse and I did not fight. It was kind of like my home growing up, but there was so much tension
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and my son could feel it. So it was this wonderful healing because I realized that that was the effect that mm. staying married had had on him. And the shift in who he became mm. mm-hmm. because that marriage ended. The family didn't end, mm. but we weren't living together anymore. And it's that really that got me thinking you know, coupled with my, what happened with my cousin. I need to do this. Mm. Continuing to see the impact on my kids. And they have really, really great relationships with their father. Mm -hmm. And it's really, really wonderful.
0: Yeah. um, Some, um,
1: how it's evolved.
0: Some men have, um, I applaud the men who try to have great relationships with their children. Um, I've also seen some women who um, don't give that access to men. Um, At the same time, I see that the society kind of, this legal system, again, wants just the women um, to be the one, Taking care of the kids, you know, sole custody. Um, oh, because
2: and-
1: here it's all shared parenting. That is the norm, like 50-50. Uh-huh. Yeah.
2: So
0: I was just about to say, someone I know, and maybe I'll share a link in the um in the notes I write up. Um it, she's like a close acquaintance, um, and I share a lot of her things, but she's um the creator founder of like um, a, a Facebook group called Single Wealthy Mommies. And it's just like a group for single women, Emma Johnson. But she is currently like part of the the four spare, spearheading um, 50-50 shared parenting in, in, in the United States. So I think recently with the Equal Pay Day, she was featured like on CNBC and all this outlets. Um, and, you know, she's just trying to create more awareness out there about shared parenting. Like, you know, I feel like we should actually go to the court, you know, with the option that, you know what, we're going to do shared parenting. Straight- well, the,
1: the, the thing about shared parenting, though, to be careful about, it's, it's the mm-hmm. conflict that harms kids. Mm-hmm. So I, this is a long time ago now, but the firm I worked at, Um, There was a client who it was really acrimonious, like the police had to be called nearly every time the children were exchanged. Hmm. So our our client had had us get a custody and access assessment done by a psychologist, which recommended that the children be with um, our client. Now that is expert evidence and the court is supposed to give um, weight to evidence tendered by an an expert. The decision was shared parenting 50-50 and the lawyers in the firm, we were all just so very, very surprised given the high degree of conflict. And then I attended some continuing legal education and a judge was speaking about this report that the judges had. Um, The authors were Kelly and Lamb, and it says about children need um, quantity time with both parents. Um, The children will not do, if they don't have significant contact with dad, they won't have, um, they won't do as well in school, career choices, girls will be more promiscuous. I am a curious soul, Right. And I like thinking and I like reading. So I went to the law society library to get a copy of this article. Mm -hmm. The librarian didn't have it. The library didn't have it. And the librarian said, well, just a minute, just, just wait, Kim, I'll try to find it for you. And so one of the judges agreed that she could copy his his article for me. So she gave it to me and she gave me another article. And when I ran off to do my master's as part of reclaiming me after divorce, Mm -hmm. I threw it all out because I was downsizing, but I've got a pretty good memory. It was the difference between those two articles was startling Mm
2: -hmm.
1: because the one that she found for me unsolicited was peer-reviewed research and had here are assumptions and it dealt with conflict as well as these other matters the other one was not peer-reviewed research quality right there was no assumptions at the start none of you know about the limitations Mm -hmm. and I noticed often they were citing themselves as the authorities which usually in peer-reviewed research you see People are citing other authorities. Mm. It was an eye-opener for me. And since then, um, I don't know how I stumbled across Nadine Burke Harris's TEDx talk okay. on adverse childhood experiences. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is a real eye-opener. And if anybody loves their children, it's a wonderful resource to go, here's why we shouldn't fight in divorce.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm so yeah. it's
1: just, it has become yeah this passion well it's kids i want to help families be happy yeah and there are some couples who come to me for mediation and we go through the process and they decide to stay together and mm. i go well here's the name of a really good marriage counselor you can work with
0: oh those are juicy i love that <laughs>
1: yeah. and, and it's just It's like great, happy families. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's what I care about. Because in happy families, then children can grow up to really thrive. And I think if you have children who are secure in being in love, Mm -hmm. they're going to be kinder and gentler human beings.
0: Yeah. And they they will, um, well... Hopefully we also teach them a little bit of world savvy and then they go out into the world as the perfect, you know, human being able to assert themselves Mm -hmm. uh, in the world and also show empathy um, to others.
2: And
1: and to have parents who are demonstrating grace and respect in challenging times Mm -hmm. is such a gift.
2: Yes.
0: Yes. Oh, yeah. Especially like hmm, challenging times pre-COVID would have been, oh, we're in the middle of a divorce or whatever life events is happening. But now, COVID, it's like like so many divorces are happening, Um, at least for celebrities. We're also kind of hearing that <clears throat> regular people will be having the, uh, you know, the, the divorce rates is getting higher. I, I, and now I just remembered on one of your videos <laughs> I, I loved how you shared that people could still cohabit to get cohabitate together while going through the divorce process um you know like arrangements in the home um, sleeping arrangements and other kind of stuff so so again if any um, anyone is interested in learning more just hop on um, YouTube and search Kim Colvin and um, You'll find her videos um, on there. So I have like some a, a few other questions. I don't want us to uh, to not talk about what brought the two of us together. That blog post you shared, um, and so like if you can just explain um, to someone who is considering a divorce right now, um, or is in the middle of a separation and considering divorce um how to tell your spouse you want a divorce and i love it i love it and i'm you know i've seen it i've read it but i'm i only want you to share so that other people will know i feel like the most important takeaway of this conversation is this that for me personally i didn't do all these things um but i did some of them you understand um, and in hindsight, now that I'm on the other side, I see where it would be nice if there was like a, if this existed. And I know, and I knew this thing. So if you could briefly just talk about, you know, the number one, take responsibility, creating a goal, educating ourselves, and then focusing on the kids and planning, or just maybe choose the a few that you want to talk about.
1: Well, when you approach so divorce, I guess the the skinny behind it all gloria is divorce there's a death Mm, yes um and and the death is of the relationship and the dream you had that the relationship would survive (sighs) When, when you think of it as a divorce you kind of start going like people who give eulogies don't say this person was a sack of (laughs) s-h-i-t truth it's always the really beautiful parts yeah so it's called let's approach it from that same perspective now i've talked about and and i i actually have a different website gloria and it has the in the title thegentlewaydivorce.com.
0: And okay people, I think that's the same <clears> no no
1: no there's, there's gentlewaydivorce.com I'm <gasps> morphing to the gentleway di- but but why I'm saying the If if people just type that in it gets to a page where you can sign up for the how to tell your spouse workbook
0: mm, okay
1: so if they want to learn more and it's free okay and it takes them directly to that sign-in page.
0: Okay, good. Okay.
1: okay. So it's instead of Gentleway Divorce, it's thegentlewaydivorce.com. Divorce.com.
0: The do- okay.
1: divorce. right. Now, off. we've talked about taking responsibility. When you take responsibility, it's really hard to blame the other person.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So it changes your mindset. So you need to think back, right? Like I thought back to that, When we got engaged, Mm -hmm. man, and then it was like, okay, I can't just blame him because my instincts were saying, say no. And I said, yes. And because I said, yes, I have these two great kids. Mm -hmm. So it isn't all, it isn't a loss. It's just what is. Mm -hmm. In terms of planning, that was part of the going, okay, well, how much time? Was I really happy? Like really, really investigating, looking in my heart. And I also thought back to my best memories Mm -hmm. of us together, like that eulogy, like preparing for a Mm -hmm. eulogy, essentially. Mm -hmm. So that instead of saying you're a piece of S-H-I-T, right? And so my norm for dealing with conflict is passive aggressive.
0: Mm. Same here, same here.
1: (laughs) So it could have been really easy for this to have gone. Like if I hadn't planned, it would have been really, really ugly. (laughs) Just based on who who I naturally am. Mm -hmm. I'm a conflict avoider. So I planned really planned and i it was sharing examples of our best memories and and when i did look looked at how much time i'd been happy it was a long time since i had been really happy in the marriage Mm -hmm. and those really good memories were really early in the marriage and when I saw that, it was easy then to say, you know, it has been like six years since we've laughed together. Wow. Like we have stopped bringing out the best in each other. And our children deserve more. They deserve better. And I planned it. That I had the initial conversation with him before he went away on a work
0: trip to a convention (laughs) what's good for me Mm -hmm. oh you got to use i'm saying
1: saying if you think i was this perfect this person who handled it perfectly Mm -hmm. oh no Mm -hmm. like when i say i can do it anybody can do it it's way heartfelt Mm -hmm. and i had the education um because having practiced family law but you need to know ahead of time, and if you reach out to me, I also have, I have a workbook that I prepared. It's like eighteen pages long or something, but it's basically got every all the information you need to gather. Not legal, mm-hmm. but this is to treat it like a life event. Gotcha. And that's yeah, like I'd give that to listeners free as well if they reached out.
0: Okay. All right. Okay. We'll share, we'll share um, your email or something. Yeah. Them to re- mm-hmm.
1: because it's but it's that taking responsibility and oh and I miss setting a goal mm. if you set that goal and not just on paper and and it isn't about well my legal rights are my legal goal is I'm going to get half the property kids are going to live with me I'm going to pay X number of dollars a month forget with your goal forget about the friggin legal issues
2: mm-hmm.
1: if you want to keep it peaceful because what the legal system does is the legal system is i take no responsibility for my actions and i blame yeah. you yeah. and it's all about my legal rights and it's like that story of the fence the legal rights really don't matter to the person there's something underneath hmm And focus on what is underneath. So set your goal. That was my goal, that they would have the best relationship possible with their dad. And as part of that, my separation agreement doesn't mention custody. And my lawyer had a fit when she read it and said, I'm not going to let you sign this. No, 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 no. And I ended up, I had to sign off saying I would never sue her or the firm when things went sideways. Mm. And that was 12 years ago. And how many times do you think things have gone sideways?
0: I think you've been successful. So,
1: And if I had listened to her professional advice, we would have fought for five years and spent, I would think, like, I, I would hate to think how much we would have spent.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: But you know that was a deal breaker, and and I realized then that like I'm part of the system, and I understand it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: How is it for people who aren't part of the system when they're feeling like failures? The tendency will be instead of listening to their bodies, they're going to listen to the lawyer.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Definitely.
1: But it's educating yourself, and you don't have to commit. Like you're. The relationship with a lawyer used to have to be like marriage Mm -hmm. (laughs) the attorney. They'd represent you the whole way through.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: You can actually hire an attorney um, just for piecemeal work. Tell me about the law about this. That's Mm -hmm. all I want you to do. Okay, thank you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's also lots of free resources online now that make it much more accessible.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, I think I was one of those lucky people in that um, I found a really good lawyer who just held my hand all through. And, you know, of course, again, like I'll pay for consultation, but, you know, she went far and beyond, um, she didn't go to the actual court with me, but everything else, like, like you just mentioned, I had her for peace, those piecemeal yeah. services. Um,
1: and and the other thing I have, um I'm just they might have to email me for this, but I mm-hmm. just I created a mini course on how to find the right lawyer. It's called mm-hmm. Avoiding the Divorce from Hell and it's about choosing the right lawyer. Oh, wow. That so that is. is a free resource. Like I am committed to helping as, you know, not everybody mm-hmm. can afford yeah. to work with a professional. Not everybody needs a professional. Some people need attorneys, but so that you have the right attorney, like you found the right attorney. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But so people know what questions to ask. hmm to find the right attorney. And it, and in that mini course, I actually prepared interview notes. Oh, wow. You print it out. Like, it's the script. Yeah. What you say to the attorney, hear the questions, evaluating mm-hmm. the conversation at the end.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Because it's a life event, and mm-hmm. let's start treating it like that, so... Look at all these free resources I'm talking
0: about. My goodness. <laughs> <laughs> You're Yes, you have it. Um, I also wonder if, you know, in hindsight, like I know I did. Um, maybe I had like one or two counseling session with like my pastors and church. As of that time, I didn't have a therapist. Um, I didn't believe in therapists. Uh, <laughs> but in hindsight, I really also believe that that is a time where you need to Mm-hmm. um have accountability partners. Either you find a coach, um, maybe a d- divorce coach, a divorce doula. Um, so someone that would just do the things the lawyers can't do, you know, because for me I feel like there are some places that I still fell prey to the words that came out of the mouth of my ex. Um, you know, and I'm sure you know what that means. Um where like, oh, I got taken. Because I agreed to something, but then we showed up in court and they didn't fulfill their part, but I fulfilled my part. Um, And that happens a lot in all of these cases. Um, I feel like I shouldn't have. Um, I think there are like two things like that that I I know better now. Um,
1: Well, even even when I was a lawyer uh, practicing traditional law, I remember sitting with one client and she talking about her relationship and it was really interesting and I liked it, but I eventually said to her, do you have an employee assistance program through work? She said, yes, I do. And I said, well, you know, it would be much cheaper for you, much more cost effective to talk to a counselor about this instead of chatting with me.
2: Mm -hmm. I see a counselor
1: like everybody, we're humans. Mm
2: -hmm. We Mm -hmm. screw
1: up. We're made that way. Mm And everybody needs a counselor every now and again. And if you have access to counseling, take it, you know, yes. this is a time when you need it.
0: Yes, yes, yes. Totally. I totally, totally agree. Or, you so. know, the,
1: the divorce, divorce coaches or divorce doulas when I was.
0: Going
1: but there were, there, there weren't, they were. <laughs> at least not where I lived.
0: Do they, do they exist now? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, huh, I should be, maybe I should. Go take some classes and become one but yeah i just feel like yeah like things on like child support housing um um if you do agree on that um health insurance there are some things you just want to be clear-headed and and troubleshoot or or brainstorm with somebody else so that you're not doing it based on your emotion um well, and... it,
1: but 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 I think there's a fallacy there mm. because our emotions are part of us, so the emotions have to be incorporated in the decision making.
0: Hmm. Explain more.
1: <laughs> well, it's when we go, oh, I'm I'm not gonna deal with that. It gets bigger. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. And it definitely. comes
1: back and bites us. Yes, that's true. Okay. And to actually say, I feel this way, I, at some, I don't always know what I do, but I remember being really surprised by this one couple. And he says at the end of one session, you're better than the counselors. And I'm like, what? Yeah. He said, you're way more money. But you're way better too. You got us talking. And I'm like, What?
2: Oh
0: wow.
1: He said, Well, the counselor, we would each just take turns talking to the counselor. You got us talking to each other.
0: Wow. That's beautiful.
2: Oh. <laughs> I don't know what I do.
0: No, it's it's a gift. Like I'm here talking to you and um and I can see it. I can feel it. I feel like it's um you know, and that's why it's a call in for you. Mm-hmm more than the money it's the work for the family
1: and it is for the family
0: yeah yeah yeah
1: and you know i deal with like our society is really nasty to men too like it's nasty Mm -hmm. to women Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it's men are taught not to share their emotions Mm -hmm. and, and you know i interact with some beautiful women and i interact with some beautiful men too both mm-hmm. who are
2: hurting mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: yeah a lot of people are hurting and um again i feel like if we all at the beginning hmm, can feel ourselves before we make all of this life um commitments then we stand um We all definitely stand a better chance um, of being that person that our spouse wants in the relationship. Um, What else? So on your five list, I think we did. Did we do all of them? Did we do planning?
1: Well, I talked about, I mean, that I had to plan or I would have been passive aggressive. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's, um, I think the most, well, I think they're all important. Um, What I didn't say in it is, this is somebody you loved once. This is the other parent of your children. And I mean, I did not even want to look at my spouse at the end. Like if he would even touch my shoulder, my skin would crawl i was still able to do this so know that you have it within you well it's just this is somebody who you loved once
0: yeah yeah that's and this the is
1: the parent for your children and if you can look at it from what am i, what am I teaching my children by staying married mm-hmm. what will they learn if we divorce peacefully, mm. what impact will that have on their growth and development? Yeah.
0: Yeah. And to try for a shared parenting. <laughs> now that I know better, I'm such a pervert. Like, you have to sh- try for a shared parenting. Because at the end of the day, I think some men just don't want to do it, not because they can't do it. So I feel like that's one that we need to let the well, court I mean, decide.
1: My situation has never been 50-50 parenting, but it works for our family.
0: Okay. And. But it's at least something, you know. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. For me. Yeah. It's just been since 2009, January 5th. And we're not counting when, because we separated. And then we finally divorced in twenty fifteen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for one person to just be doing this, like, so I'm he tired. has
1: he has nothing to do with your with your kids.
0: No, he provides financial support, and um, it shows up when he wants to show up. Um, And I tried, you know, most of the things you're talking about, I initiated, like I did um, calls every Thursday, like I chose a day of the week. I was like, okay, kids, you check in with your dad. And I did that, did that for the longest time. And it was always me doing it. It was me doing it. And so after a while, I was like, I'm not trying to force them on you. And especially as the kids noticed that it was just us doing it, they lost interest, Right. So there was that, and there were so many other things. Um, There was a time the court arranged that there should be drop-offs, and he would come up with, oh, like he's working, oh, his job just called, or like times when um, like, I would be counting on him to pick them up for the weekend and he wouldn't show up, he wouldn't communicate, he wouldn't do anything. One hour, two hours, three hours later, even as we speak but one of my kids had a birthday party um no not a birthday party had his birthday this past um (laughs) week um and was like oh i'll come and and see him um you know he sent whatever his gift was to him and i'm like oh he never showed up like why did i think he he had changed like it makes no sense. Yeah. Um, but again, that is who he is and his yeah. pattern has never changed. from when we were married to to now being divorced. Um, that pattern been, never and, changed.
1: And your boys are always gonna love him.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But his
1: behavior
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: And what do you say to your boys when he doesn't show up?
0: <sighs> Let me think. there are times you know i'm just like my petty old self i'll be like yeah we get frustrated yeah i told you he wasn't gonna show up (laughs) but you know um other times i just tell them look you know it was good that we believed that he would show up this time but he didn't you know he that's who he is you Mm -hmm. know i tried to just Reaffirm that, and then I'll be like, Hey guys, but you know, I'm here, like, I got you.
1: <laughs> well, it's and and it might be that he doesn't know how to show love.
0: Oh, yeah, I, I told you to believe that, but like, right? and I it's can, I and can't... it's
1: you know, that's something you could tell your boys he does not know how to show love. Mm-hmm. And that is not a reflect. That does not make you unlovable. You're very lovable. Mm-hmm. The issue is with him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And 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 this these events happening are actually giving you really great insight into what happens if you ever become a parent.
2: Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm.
1: you have been exposed to this and it hurts, right? Like it really, really hurts. And if they say it doesn't fucking hurt at all, mom. You will say, Don't give me that. That's a wall that you've yeah. built to protect the hurt. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But I want you to learn from this. Like you are lovable. How do you want to be as a parent? How what kind of what kind of interactions do you want with your children?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And how can I help you learn that? Because your dad is checked out, but what can I do to support you? Learn that.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, such, those, those are such profound words, not just for me, but hopefully for anyone listening, and especially if their kids are still young. My kids are now teenagers, preteen, <laughs> so hopefully, intuitively, I have done some of these things.
1: I think sometimes, though, it helps with those with that hurt to actually name it.
0: mm hmm.
1: So that they, they, they know that they're seen. Wow. And to turn it into something that they can learn from.
0: Mm-hmm. Make it a teachable moment. Yeah. You know I mean Yeah. But when you talk about naming the feeling, what do you mean?
1: Well, I mean, like they're going to say, I'm not hurt, mom. Dad's just a jerk. Oh, yeah, that's true. And it's like, no, no, no. Kids always love their parents. So don't give me that you've built a wall to protect the hurt and that's perfectly understandable. You can have the wall and have the love.
0: Hmm. So what would you name a feeling in that situation where that child goes? Oh no, 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 no.
1: No, that's just how I talked. That's how I'd name
0: it. Okay. 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 Gotcha. Okay. And this is really
1: like, this is not fair to you.
2: Mm-hmm, mm, mm-hmm.
1: But life isn't always fair, and we always face challenges. So, yeah. having because you experience this, how do you want to be as a parent? Mm. Because if we don't talk about it, you're just going to repeat what you knew.
0: Exactly. Yeah.
1: Because how was your your um, your former husband? How was he raised?
0: <sighs> so. Definitely, in hindsight, a little bit not shown from from what he said. It feels like he, you know, people parents weren't there for him. But but again, that's how the Nigerian culture is. And I was lucky that I grew up in a a home where, um, so my dad married my mom but by the time i was like teenagers they there were issues right for me anyway and he had in nigeria you can not do that you can marry like a a, a new right. wife and stuff so he had one of those but i was already much much developed in in age when that happened for my ex though he was that other family you know. So
1: so it's to talk to your boys about the culture too. Mm-hmm. But to ask them how do you want to be as a parent?
0: Yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: And use this as the learning.
0: Yeah. That's true. Yeah. And I, I you know, I see my boys and is I it- see they want to do so much better. Um, but there is something to having a male role model you know
1: well i mean part of what and that was one of the things that really was hard for me in making that decision mm. to to leave and then i thought i knew two women who were single parents kids had very little to do in one family had nothing to do with dad and the other family very little to do with dad and those kids were fabulous kids mm. Right? I had to find, and I often forget to mention that, so thank you. Mm-hmm. But it was, I had to find the role models.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Um, and, and there was really good um, support from grandparents in mm-hmm. both of those situations. But yeah, no, it wasn't, it completely contradicted what I thought needed to be.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: And it was one of the things that helped me go to breathe and go, okay, yeah, this is this is a good thing. Yeah, it is.
0: It truly and, is.
1: And maybe I need to write about that. I've, I haven't written about it.
0: Oh, yeah. You need to. You mean after. like the, the, the impact of a male role model?
1: Well, this notion that, that it, it's one of the things that can keep us stuck in mm. a relationship that's not working.
0: Mm. But, ah right yeah. that
1: in reality no you know an extended family male yeah um who's a really decent human being is a yes. better role model yes yeah be better you know that can compensate when there's no yes. dad in the picture
0: yes yes totally and i totally agree i remember um and i think that's one of the reasons why i like even my kids were in like boy scout when they were younger I really love that. Um, I like that, you know, the, the programs that the churches have where at least kids can get under like the um, tutelage of, you know, a male figure and, and the environment that the church has just just that. I miss my dad, of course, he just passed in October last year. Um, but like, I would always be like, you know, just go talk to grandpa, like in the last past three years i be like, you know what, I'm not dealing with this grandpa. Hey. Uh, your yeah. grandchild, yeah, oh. <laughs> and I wish I'd done that like when they were so much younger uh but again yeah my dad had learned. Other... exactly we <laughs> tried so much you know um my dad being someone who married a second wife too and then the mar- the family just being a, a little bit in the middle not together because of that you know I see I saw what he did like in the past um five six years um to just change all of that to be the person it should have been like when we were going through
2: well
1: it's i mean culturally that model works in the nigerian culture Mm
2: -hmm, mm -hmm,
1: but mm -hmm. to bring it to this white anglo-saxon based Mm -hmm. culture yeah with different social mores Mm -hmm. right like it it's hard
0: it is really
1: challenging
0: yeah 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 it really is and I think people especially Nigerians are figuring that out the ones who maybe you were raised like that back home and then you want to come here and have one wife in the house and have like a girlfriend outside and you're like financially it's not visible mentally it's not possible um and
1: And culture is such a strong force. It's like this blindfold we're wearing that we mm. don't see. Yeah. But it's this filter that we see the world through. Mm. So we expect it's going to work.
2: Yeah. You know,
1: but, <laughs> and, and for me, that was the Cinderella they lived happily ever after.
0: Me too. I love right? my that, Disney. That was the cultural... <laughs> Yeah, I loved my Disney ideology of life. Like, live, I find my Prince Charming, live happily ever after. Um, um, and yet again, I come to the table with knowing that, you know what, I had something to contribute to it um, going downhill. Um, and, um, and before I lose my train of thought, so I think I have one final question, but I don't know if it will even make sense at this point. But before I say <laughs> say that, um, so you know, on um listening to to you and reading your your write-ups, there's a theme I noticed, and it is that, you know, in spite of the fact that you say that you're um, you know, you're like me, passive aggressive, um, blah, blah, you know, and all of that, um, like sometimes avoiding conflicts, but I see the same thing like it's a push and a pull for you which it is for me like even though you you're aware that you're that person but you make all the efforts to to go th- towards the conversation and I noticed that in all the write-ups and the YouTube videos a- and I'm saying this to say that you know even some of the things you shared on YouTube are so useful to just being aware of your relationship with anyone be like a sister or a friend and even your marriage generally, like you could translate it over, it's almost like running towards conversations, um, instead of running away from them. And then to also know again, what do I what did I bring to this relationship to to cause it to go either this way or that way? And then to own that I feel like for me personally, um. I run away from conversations, especially when I'm tired, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I want to think that I heard that in one of your video, like, you know, it's just like, oh my gosh, if you start it, it's going to grow a head and an arm and like, you know what, I'd just rather not do it, rather not go <laughs> into that conversation. Um, but I just wanted to share that. I thought it was, you know, your videos were really just generally can be applied towards relationships, too. Thank you. Um, you're welcome. And, and as I say that, um, so we may have talked about this, but I don't think so. But I have this question written down, and it is, what are my rights as I look towards divorcing a spouse? You know, I know um, we talked about just what legal does, but if we're actually looking at things just on a legal perspective, if I um, decided today I wanted to divorce from a legal perspective, what am I looking at?
1: So the laws change depending on where you live. Mm -hmm. So it's really important to find information based on where you live. So I'm just going to say like divorce itself that is the legal recognition the marriage is over. That is all divorce is. Um, but the other elements that often are dealt with, it's like who makes decisions about the children. And the traditional language is custody and access, mm. which are property terms. I have control. Okay. Um that's morphing. Like in Canada, our divorce act now talks about parenting, custody and access are gone. Uh That is brand new. Um, There's where the children live. So parenting, there is um, financial support for the children, which is called child support. There's financial support um, for the spouse potentially, which is either called spousal support or alimony.
0: Mm -hmm. Which I should have gotten, but I got tricked out of it. I wasn't thinking, but I understand now that it was my right and I, I needed it. Go ahead.
1: (laughs) Well, no. And that's why like getting educating yourself and potentially finding a lawyer or an attorney who will, be prepared to educate you, sit down with you for an hour and go, okay, here's what. So you know. And then there's how you're going to divide your property. Those are the main issues. Mm -hmm.
2: Mm -hmm. Thank you.
1: And sometimes it's who gets to live in the family home. But essentially those are the main issues. And they, like even in Canada, the law about, property division. It's different in every province. Whereas Mm -hmm. divorce is the same across the country. Okay. So this is why it's really important um, to talk to somebody local to get that information. Okay. Okay.
0: That was really, really good. And um, I'm going to drop my own little bit of wisdom once you decide to divorce your ex is not your best friend anymore just wanted to say that so don't be going yeah. and making deals with them um, before you show up in court don't even pick up their calls before you go to court
1: you know i might have to do a blog post on that thing.
0: <laughs> yes please do it's like I got tricked. I got tricked. I got sucked in. You know, I still had love in my heart. Well, I, but, yeah.
2: but
1: women, we are socialized to be the peacemakers, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and yeah. often the pattern in the relationship is the woman doesn't say what's in her heart to keep the peace. Mm. Mm. But I really like how
0: you phrase it. He's not your best friend anymore. He isn't. He isn't. Don't be making deals with them. Mm-mm. All right. So I love this and I hope we covered everything. Um, I think I covered most of the questions on my list and more because look how long we did this. I for. know.
1: And, and I was saying things I've never said in a podcast before. So
0: <laughs> thank you. Thank you. So as we wrap up, um, um, share. Um, Let's see. I always forget this. Let's see. Let's see. OK, so. For everyone listening, if you loved everything that you listened to, um, you can hop on um, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, um, Google, Audible, Amazon Podcasts, and listen to this again. Um, or listen to this. Yeah. yeah not or sure share what it. Yeah, or share it. There's what we were looking for. Or share it. Um, or you can go ahead and hop on YouTube and search "loving." Um, loving the work you do by she loves good things and you can watch us on video as we talk Um, and on that note I am going to pass this over to Kim and ask Kim to share where you can find her on the interwebs and oh, anything you have upcoming too okay
1: so I you could Google my name, Kim Corvin. I do have a YouTube channel. There's videos located in a couple different places. It used to be called Full Circle Divorce. If you see that, no, it is me. There's lots. A uh, tip a day to a peaceful divorce on those ones, and then under my name, there's some longer ones. Um, Facebook, Gent- the Gentle Way Mediation Services page, but really, I think go to H T T P S colon double backs, backs space. Nothing, nothing. W W Right. The gentle way, And you will get that, the script, the divorce script, how to tell your husband you want a divorce. Hmm. And it's fill in the blanks. It's And you'll also then be signing up for my newsletter. So then you'll find out because I do free webinars. Um, I usually share when I have a new blog post because I'm in the midst of morphing. um,
0: The website, right? The
1: website, yeah. So the blog posts that were all on gentlewaydivorce.com. But to sign up for this freebie and get on my mailing list is um is the divorce.com The other thing to know is I offer a complimentary 20 minute call. Nice. So if you were to email me at Kim at gentleweydivorce.com,
0: we would set it
1: up. Okay.
0: You need that people if you have questions.
1: Listen. Yeah. Kim at gentleweydivorce.com and just I want to talk to you.
0: Yeah. And does it matter if they're calling from Canada or from the United States? The principles of divorce are the same, the same, Yeah.
1: right? It's when you treat it as a life event and mm-hmm. it's about empowering people to make really good decisions
0: to put their kids first.
1: Doesn't matter. Yay, yay.
0: All right. Um, social media, um, apart from Facebook, anything else?
1: Oh, I'm on Instagram as Kim Corvin. I okay. really need to actually tighten all this up and have the same name, I think.
0: We Just as we're going. <laughs> through we all do and look it's already the end of march and like i had like a long list of to-dos but we'll we'll get there kim yeah we will (laughs) we will will. i will so it's been nice talking to you and doing this thank you so much for coming on the podcast thank you so much for this insightful um you know conversation Again, um, look forward to, um, to s- more conversations um, that we can have in the future. And on that note, everyone, we'll see you soon.